Hello friends, this is Ben Paget. I'm a retired elder at the, with the North Alabama Conference and I want to share with you my experience with short, effective prayer. First, let me begin with my understanding for the purpose of prayer. It is to connect with the triune God for self-growth, spiritual, for a benefit of others, for the Spirit's guidance in one's life, especially discerning matters that may be both or either a blessing or a struggle. If you look at the historical perspective of prayer, especially using Jesus as a model, you find the Gospels sharing that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. He often would get off by himself, would leave his disciples in order to pray. And we're given the experience of his praying all night at times. We don't know much about what he said in those prayers. And it may be that he said almost nothing but listened. And then he taught his disciples to pray when they requested it. Over the years, I've been very interested in prayer of various kinds. And one of the people who've influenced me the most was the Reverend Henry Nowen. And in a little book, uh, you might enjoy yourself, A Living Spirituality, he gives us three elements of prayer. And this is more like a contemplative prayer, I think. First is solitude, a time of silence, where we listen for God to speak to us. And the time of silence may range from a few minutes to, I think usually people say about 20 minutes, up to many hours. And this solitude leads us into community with one another where we share these experiences that we find in our solitude. And then in the sharing in community, that leads us to ministry. And the ministries then become ministries that God would have us do instead of our having to decide ourselves what to do. So that's sort of the purpose and a very brief history of, I think, generally what we're taught and what we hope for. I want to share some of my personal experience. And I'll start with solitude. I've worked for years at trying to have a disciplined time of solitude, a disciplined time of silence where I listen for God to speak to me. And every single time that I start this time of silence, all of a sudden I can hear the clock ticking that I never hear otherwise. Or I'll begin to think, of, well, what's my schedule today? What are the things that I want to accomplish today? Sometimes I spend some of that silent time just wondering why solitude is seemingly so impossible for me. And then I'll spend some time with that solitude, which is not very quiet or silent 
considering such things as those who have taught this and experienced this and, and are disciplined in this, saying over and over that you can experience these kinds of interruptions and that it's okay that each interruption, whether it's sound or thoughts or feelings, as they intrude, just recognize them and let yourself know that it's okay. Well, I'd have to say that I've been a failure at the disciplined solitude prayer. I have been a failure in any kind of regular silence listening for God. But don't give up. I certainly haven't. I do pray. So my prayer failure does not stop me from praying. I pray, for example, for particular needs that I have for myself. It, you know, it could be health, it could be anything. I pray for others and their needs. I pray for our nation. I pray for the entire world people, animals, plants, and the big ball we call Earth itself. It helps me to remind me of our responsibility to one another. I pray for God's guidance. I pray for God's guidance in many, many things in my life. So this leads me to share with you the effective short prayer that I've used for many years. Now, I want to place myself in a particular or two particular settings where I learn how effective this can be, and that's hospital and industry. Most of my career as in ministry was a hospital chaplaincy or an industrial chaplain. So this is the settings where I learned how effective very short prayer can be. And so I want to share the usual prayer and the, some of the results that came from that prayer. So before a visitation in the hospital, before I walked in the room, I would knock on the door and I would pray this prayer before opening the door. Or there were times before answering the telephone that I would say this prayer, or before making a telephone call, I would pray this. Immediately prior to leading group therapy on the psychiatric unit, which I did for years, I would pray prior to going into that room. And immediately prior to giving an employee the news that they had tested positive for a drug test, I would pray this particular prayer. So before walking into a room with an employee, before walking into a patient's room, before walking into group therapy, before taking a phone call or making a phone call, I would pray this particular prayer. Spirit of our Lord, open me to hearing the needs of the person on the other side of this door or the other end of the phone call or the other side of the news about testing positive. I would always start with, Spirit of our Lord, open me to hearing the needs of the person on the other side of this door. 
let me give you three examples of how this worked. While in training to become a hospital chaplain, I knocked on the door and when invited in, I walked in and before I could introduce myself, the patient said, I don't think you have anything to offer me. Well, I, I didn't know what to think about that. It was so quick. I had not even told him my name. And I went ahead and introduced myself and I said, you know, how is it that you knew that I could not have anything to offer you without even my introducing myself? He said, well, that's a cross on your lapel, isn't it? And I said, well, yes, it is. Well, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yes, I am. Well, I'm a Jew, so I don't think you have anything to offer me. And I said to him, you know, before I was a Christian, and I believe that before you were a Jew, we were both human beings. He was about as stunned as I had been with his starting the conversation in that way and he said well you may be on to something why don't you have a seat and let's talk well over three weeks there were many visits and we certainly were able to be with each other and connected with each other to a point that he shared with me that he had not shared with others he had met god during a near-death experience and he was afraid to tell anybody about it because he was afraid that he would be laughed at or not taken seriously. So I believe that God answered my prayer and allowed me to hear beyond my capability something that said to this man, you can trust me. Well, I was called one time to a crisis where a death had just occurred. And when I was with the person, the room was just packed with grief. I mean, I I had never experienced anything like that. The grief was overwhelming. The sense of grief was, and it was close to overwhelming for me as well. And I said to this person, you know, your grief just seems so great. Can you share with me what's going on? And they did. And the week prior to that experience, this person had lost five members of their family, some to age, some to disease, and some to violence. And in this case, it was violence. Well, we were able to talk about this, and she gave me the privilege of, of walking with her in this overwhelming grief, and it did seem to help. And I think that it was God's Spirit that allowed me to hear more than was obvious. As I shared before, I had one of my responsibilities as a, an industrial chaplain in drug testing was to share with employees when they tested positive. And I did this with a gentleman who then just uh, sort of came unglued and yelled and screamed at me and told me he had just finished uh, law school and he was going to sue me and sue my company and sue his company and on and on and on. And I listened and I listened. And finally, when he calmed down a little bit, I shared with him, it's still your choice. You can go to treatment or you can lose your job. He chose to go to treatment. 
some weeks later, many weeks later actually, he showed up at my office and came in and asked if he could see me, and I, of course, told him yes. I expected him to hand me a subpoena or some kind of court document or something like that, but he sat down. He said, I just came by. I wanted to thank you. He said, I am sober now, and it's the first time I've been sober in many years, and I didn't know my children, and they didn't know me. And since going to treatment, I've been able to know my children, and it's been the greatest part of my life. So I wanted to come by and tell you thank you for what you've done. Folks, that was the answer to my prayer of hearing that person's need and not giving up and not pushing them, but just being factual. God, I believe, answered my prayer in not just these three incidences, but many, many, many other times. That very short, short prayer. Part of what I'm doing as far as I want you to know, if you have to struggle with prayer and you find yourself feeling like a failure and feeling like you're just not getting with it, you have a friend. A person who has had all kind of training, academic, clinical, and certifying training in prayer and spirituality. And you would think that for me, 10 or 20 minutes or even more, solitude and silence would just be a cake. I have to struggle. However, the difference is that I'm no longer frustrated because there's simply too much evidence that God has been there when needed through these very short, effective prayers. I believe that the same thing happens with you. If you look at your life and you look carefully, to see, looking for those places where God's Spirit has been involved in your life, you'll find them. So short or long, I want to encourage you to join me in continuing to pray.